1: is an original WWE podcast. Coming up, have you been wondering what's up with the boss lately? So have we. So we're going to get the scoop straight from the source. Also, the Queen may have won the Royal Rumble, but it's the EST of NXT that came out looking like a bona fide superstar. ATB starts now. Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves. Whether or not that's unfortunate, I haven't yet decided. But before we chat with the past and the present of NXT's women's division, I want to talk about a man who once upon a time represented the future in WWE. Back in the days of evolution, when he was the young gun, wet behind the ears, bound to be a star someday. Well, that day has arrived, and... Randy Orton has been in WWE for nearly 20 years now. It's crazy. It's absolute insanity to believe. But I will say that the projection back in the days when evolution was a mystery uh, was accurate. Randy Orton is everything that he was projected to be, and then some. Uh, He definitely made good on those lofty expectations. But despite a stellar career that has netted him 13 world championships to date. There are probably more in the future. If I had my druthers, there would be. Uh, Somehow, someway, I still don't think Randy Orton gets all the credit that he's due. We oftentimes, and by that I mean pretty much daily, if you watch WWE with anybody, if you're a wrestling fan, everybody has an opinion on who the greatest of all time is. More often than not, that includes your Ric Flair's, Hulk Hogan's, occasionally John Cena more recently. Um, I want to throw Randy Orton into that discussion. I don't think I'm going to win, but in my personal opinion, he deserves to be in the conversation, not only for longevity, not only for accomplishments, but just for how damn good Randy Orton is. He showcased it Monday night on Raw. Just We talked about it with Randy here on After the Bell, and he was a guest. If you haven't listened to it, find it. It's in the archives somewhere. It's worth going out of your way for. Randy Orton is a master of what we call in the business the little things, the subtleties, things that can't necessarily be taught, and they're just inherent in Randy. And they came bursting through the screen Monday night in his uh, attempt to address the WWE universe that never really got off the ground, and it was masterful. Masterful in a way that you need a good villain in any story and Randy Orton is approaching Heath Ledger as the Joker in Batman good right now. So good at being bad that you can't help but love and appreciate what he's doing. And you have to look at the contemporaries of Randy Orton's class, if you will. You're talking about John Cena, Batista, uh, in evolution with Ric Flair, with Triple H. Randy was surrounded by literally some of the greatest to ever do it. And I just feel like maybe that's why he doesn't get the love that he so deserves. And this isn't to say that Randy Orton isn't appreciated. I mean, let's be honest. If you have eyes and you watch WWE, you realize how freaking good Randy Orton is. I just feel like uh, maybe he kind of gets lost in the shuffle. And and I mean, again, to mention the names that I just did, there's no shame in that, but Randy Orton, man, man, God, I'm just gushing. This is basically a a verbal love letter to Randy Orton. And uh, Randy mentioned here on After the Bell that recently he's felt rejuvenated, refreshed, and that he sort of reignited his passion for this business. And I think right now it shows. I am stoked about all things Randy Orton as we head toward WrestleMania. Give me more Viper. Now and forever. Then now forever, Randy Orton my guest set the wwe universe on fire at the royal rumble in particular in the women's royal rumble match starting out at number two and going very very deep in the process bianca belair bianca how are you
2: i'm good how are you
1: fantastic might be the best day of my life
2: oh wow that's okay i don't know if i can top that i don't think that's accurate but i
1: tell myself that hoping that maybe it'll you know speak it itself into existence (laughs) So you've uh, you've had quite a busy few weeks, arguably the biggest night of your career at the Royal Rumble in Minute Maid Park in Houston. Let's start at the beginning. When did you find out you would be competing?
2: I found out the well, we pretty much I was pulled aside at Worlds Collide and I found out that I was going to be a part of the Royal Rumble probably the night before it was confirmed.
1: So at least you had plenty of advance notice.
2: Uh, you know, well, the (laughs) night before is a a lot more advanced notice than, you know, we sometimes get. So true. (laughs) Kind of used to it by now.
1: So what was going through your mind when you found out for sure that you would be in the women's Royal Rumble match?
2: I was, well, of course I was excited. uh, And then directly after that, I was followed with nervousness. It was my first Royal Rumble. I wasn't a part of the Royal Rumble last year because, you know, some NXT girls were a part of it last year. So I was excited that they chose me to be a part of it this year. And I was excited to get that experience and also know that I would possibly be getting to share the ring with some of the girls that I've I always want to share the ring with and possibly some legends. So, I was excited to be on the big stage and get in front of some people that may not exactly know a lot about Bianca Belair and just get to showcase who I was in front of a bigger audience.
1: I think showcase is the perfect word because it wasn't like you came out there for a cup of coffee. I mean, you had a deep <laughs> run in this thing. You really, really kind of stole the show for the for the better part of the match.
2: I think. So, you know, that's what I strive to do. Bianca Belair, I'm always trying to show up and show out. I always want to shine. I always want to stand out amongst everyone and not that I'm in the ring with. I always want to show that I'm the EST. I'm the strongest, the toughest, the roughest, the quickest, the fastest, the greatest, the best, all of that. So once All of found- those
1: adjectives escaped me whenever you made your entrance. <laughs> I went, oh, she's the EST of NXT, but I could not for the life of me think of any of the adjectives that ended in EST to actually make sense of the nickname, but uh, I try to do you justice anyway.
2: <laughs> no, it's all good. I, you know, I think my entrance, my my theme song, I always say my theme song does something to people where you just like, you find yourself start dancing, you don't even know it, and you kind of just get caught up in the entrance, so it's all good, I understand.
1: <laughs> so what did it mean to you when you got word that that this was going to be such a big showcase for you, and that you were really going to have the, the spotlight shining on Bianca Belair for such a big chunk of the match?
2: For me, honestly, it was it was validation and i i I really try to not seek validation in anything other than myself um i try not to, I try not to wait on it because it, it'll have you messed up seeking validation in other things, but i can't lie it was it was validation for me you know I came into the nXt the performance singer three and a half years ago, and i've been just completely. Investing myself in this business, learning the history, learning the craft. And I've been, you know, I hate to use the term working hard because I feel like at this level, that's just a given. You're supposed to work hard. and That's nothing to get commended on. But, you know, for so long, I've been saying "I'm, I'm the EST, I'm this, I'm that, I'm that. And I've just been waiting for that spotlight to prove it and so to me it was just validation of everything that I've been putting into this is finally going to pay off and this is just my moment to show everyone that what I've been saying is true.
1: I think working hard would definitely be an understatement when it comes to anybody in the performance center or WWE as a whole but you didn't come from a wrestling background although you did have an athletic background tell me a little bit more about that.
2: Yeah I didn't really come from a wrestling background not only that I didn't really even watch wrestling growing up my brother watched it. A lot. He was a hardcore wrestling fan, and so I would catch it here and there. Just because you know when you're younger, we're about four years apart, so we would fight over the remote. And whenever he won, he put it on wrestling. So I did see it some, but I only saw it because he was watching it. So I, like I said, not only did I not come from a wrestling background, I didn't even really know much about the history of the business when I first came in. So. I feel like I just from the beginning, I've been playing catch up and but I, I, I feel like I use that to my advantage because I, I knew that and I knew there was people that were coming in that were ahead of me that had more experience than me. So I knew if I wanted to be successful in this business, I just had to throw myself in it and fully invest myself. And I was doing CrossFit before I came in. And in my mind, when I first started, I was like, you know, I'll still do CrossFit on the side and I'll do I'll be an NXT and I'll be training. And then that all went out the window once I realized, you know, this is something that that it's not like anything I've ever done before. And if I want to be successful with this, I have to respect the business enough to fully invest myself in it. Um when it comes to learning about the history of the business, when it comes to just learning everything, pulling everything from every single coach inside the performance center. And so it was challenging for me at first to like let go of, you know, I've always been this, um, I guess, multi-dimensional athlete where I played this sport and that sport. And I try to like put myself in everything, but with, with, with WWE, you just have to in NXT. If you want to be success, successful, you only can focus on this. So it was challenging at first, but, I just had to 100% invest myself into it.
1: How how long would you say it took before you really kind of uh, started to realize this thing?
2: I say, well, I, I feel like I'm still trying to figure this out. And I, you know, I think I was just talking to Norman Smiley in the performance and I was like, at what point in time, how many years do I have to do this when I will actually feel like I know exactly what I'm doing? And he told me, this is a business where you never stop learning. So I feel like I'm still figuring it out and learning now, but I feel like for me, when it really clicked for me feeling like, okay, this is something that I can do. I really feel like I'm good at this was the Mae Young Classic. When I was in the ring with Kyrie Sane and I was just super green. Uh, I think I had been doing this for less than a year and I was just blessed enough to be able to get in the ring with someone like Kyrie who's super experienced and she's been doing this for forever and she's great at what she does. And she kind of, I just went in there and I, I took everything that my coach Sarah Model had taught me and I that's that's all I knew and I just kind of let my body take over and, and I let it do what it do and afterwards I think that was the realization of okay I think no it's not I think anymore it's like I know I'm good at this I finally found my niche I finally found what what's for me and I feel like it's just it's a perfect fit and I think ever since then it's clicking ever since the May Young Classic
1: you mentioned Sarah Amato and Norman Smiley who else has helped you on this uh, journey into WWE?
2: Oh, uh, well, of course, I have to shout out Mark Henry. He's the one that actually opened the door for me for this opportunity to begin with. But, of course, uh, when I first got there, Sarah Stock was there. Sarah Motto, who's been the main person, she's great. Uh, Norman Smiley, like you said. Um, Even Sean Hayes, who's the strength and conditioning coach, who puts us, you know, he makes sure he does strength and conditioning. He makes sure that we don't get injured in the ring. He makes sure that we're strong. Uh, you have Robbie Brookside. You have it's just everybody in the performance center. I feel like I'll be wrong to just individualize anybody because it's so sure. stacked in there. You know, and now you we learn have a little bit from Shawn everybody. Michaels. Yeah, it's just I don't want to just leave anybody out. But but all those people that I named and everybody that comes through, even the guest coaches that, that come through, you pull something from every single coach inside that building.
1: Well, very cool. It sounds uh, a bit unbecoming of the EST to be giving credit to others. It sounds to me like (laughs) maybe Bianca Belair isn't always always the EST all the time.
2: Uh, You know, I I feel Belair, that's what I call her, is Belair. She's just an extension of me. And I like to think of Belair as my alter ego. I really pulled from my real life experiences in my childhood to create Bel Air, who is now this person who I, I I know my value now. And I'm not afraid to say it and I'm not afraid to tell you how good I am. I'm not going to hide it. But at the same time, I I come from humble beginnings. And like I said, I came into this performance center. And I didn't know anything. And so I do have to give credit to those who who who've taught me along the way. So I have no problem doing that.
1: <laughs> Tell me a little bit more about what you draw from. You said life experiences and and kind of molded you into who you are. What are uh, what are some things that stand out to you?
2: Well, I I just feel like as a child, I I've always been super athletic. I've always been super talented, and I mean not to sound. Cocking away, it's okay. I, it's so okay. I was <laughs> you've you've backed I'm it talking up. Talking in my Belarisms. Yeah, as a kid, I was always I was super talented. I was super athletic. I was super I was smart. I kind of everything that my character embodies is what I was. But sometimes in my childhood, it was just I went through moments of um. Having I feel like having to kind of dim my light to soothe other people's insecurities. And I don't know if it was a thing where, where they were actually doing it to me or if I was just taking responsibility on myself of not wanting to others to feel uh bad, you know? Like I would sometimes, like in gym class, I would pretend that I could only do ten pull-ups instead of twenty just so the kids wouldn't say you know, oh, she's showing out, or she thinks she's better than us, or she thinks she's all that. I would get that a lot in all different aspects of my life. So a lot of times, I, I was super humble. I didn't want to make anybody feel um, different. I didn't want to make it seem like I was bragging or showing out. So I would even when I was in high school, I would, um, I would wake up. Every, I wanted a scholarship. I wanted to go to college. I wanted a full ride. But I would wake up every morning and do a thousand abs a day and 250 push-ups every single morning. Like, but I would nobody would ever know. I would work hard behind closed doors. When I, I was start getting scholarship offers, and I had friends who ran track with me, and they weren't getting the same scholarship offers, and they didn't even know that I was getting these scholarship offers because I didn't want to tell them. I didn't want people to say that I was trying to brag, and so I kept everything a secret, and I worked hard behind the scenes and I always would downplay my accomplishments and I would sometimes act like I couldn't do things just to like not try to show off. So it was just like all the ambitions that I had, I feel like I had to downplay. So Belair is just to the point where she's over it and she doesn't want to do that anymore. And It's not my responsibility to sue your insecurities, and it is what it is, and I'm the best. And that's just kind of where it all evolved from.
1: I love it. I love it. Although (laughs) I I have to admit that I know it wasn't your intention, but I feel really bad about myself because I don't think I've done 250 push-ups in the last 10 years. (laughs) So the fact that you did that every morning, uh, wow.
2: (laughs) I I will say I didn't start out with 250, just over time, I I got to 250. (laughs) It doesn't make me feel any better. (laughs) Well. I, sorry. So uh, that's maybe. all right. That's all right.
1: <laughs> so looking at your time in NXT, um, what are some moments or matches that have stood out to you?
2: Ooh, um, gosh, I have so many moments. NXT just creates so many moments. Uh, I will say my feud with Nikki Cross. I loved my feud with Nikki Cross that I had in NXT. Um, I love working with Nikki. She's amazing. I feel like we really created some magic in the ring together. Of course, my first TakeOver match, uh, phoenix against Shayna baszler i feel like that was my other big moment of stepping on, out on the scene and really showcasing who i was to improving my worth you know with the whole sam roberts comment that happened that had social media going crazy
1: don't ever take anything that sam roberts <laughs> says seriously he's a bad oh, I, bad guy
2: oh <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't let it get to me I, I know i know i know the ins and outs but then of course, take over WrestleMania, uh, where it was that Wrestlemania take over New York when I was in the ring with Shayna Baszler and Kyrie Sane and Io Shirai because I felt like I was the the least in, I was the least experienced in that match, and you know, I was stepping in the ring with girls, and I felt like I, I had to prove myself all over again to show that I could hang with these girls, but not only hang with them, like still stand out amongst these 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 great superstars and um of course, I have to mention war games. Uh, it's probably the top one for me right now, other than Royal Rumble, but war games was just crazy. Um, you know, the NXT women's division is so stacked. We have so many talented women to the point where you couldn't even fit all of us. There just weren't enough spots in war games. That's
1: insanity. Yeah. Eight spots in a war games match and you have to leave people out just because there's such a wealth of talent.
2: Yeah, just like like Mia Yim, like she she ended up she got injured and couldn't be in it, so they replaced her with Dakota. And it's just like, and we it's even beyond that. We have so many women that could have been in the work games match. We just don't have enough spots. But just the fact that I was picked to be in one of those spots, and I I'm just that that was a crazy moment, and it was it was a, a crazy moment to be able to do it alongside the women that you know we've grown together, we've gone through moments together, and just to have that moment with them and be a part of that moment. That probably tops all of them right now. But I love NXT. My life is just crazy. And I just, I feel like every time, you know, I have this great moment, like nothing can top this. And then something tops it. It's just crazy.
1: (laughs) You mentioned him earlier. He's he's been there for a lot of these uh, big moments, takeovers in particular, is Mark Henry. What does it mean to have someone the caliber of Mark Henry, uh, you know, watching your back?
2: Mark Henry has completely changed my life. He changed my life when he offered me this opportunity. I remember when he first uh, hit me up on social media and I thought it was fake. I, I thought it was fake until my, my nephew was the one who actually was like, Mark Henry, comment on your photo. And he had messaged me, asked me if I wanted to, have, had I ever thought about being in WWE and he'd give me a tryout, but I had to do the rest. So from the jump, he, it was, it gave me confidence knowing someone like a like a legend like Mark Henry was saw something in me and it just gave me confidence from the very beginning and i i feel like i'm forever in debt to him because he's just completely changed my life and i i never want to let him down and you know he was at Royal Rumble and he was at he's been at a lot of my takeovers and every time he's there i'm not going to say it it, it adds pressure but it's just I use his motivation because I always want to just make him proud. And he was at Royal Rumble. And after Royal Rumble, I went up to him. He hugged me. He was just like, you always make me proud. And so that it just means a lot to know that someone who changed my life the way they did, I'm, I'm making him proud. And he, you know, he's not regretting his, his his decision to back me. So it means a lot.
1: And what other kind of feedback do you get from Marcus? Do you ever give anything? Obviously, he's proud of you. But did you ever learn anything specific from him?
2: I remember when I first got into NXT, he, he came down and he was in the performance center. And this was before I ever even had my first match. It was probably within the first couple of months I was there. And at the time, I didn't really understand what he was saying because I think my mind was just too inexperienced. But when I started developing my character, his 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 words always recycled in my head. And I remember him asking me, so who do you want to be? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, who who do you want to be in in WWE? And I was like, well, you know, and I just gave like this generic answer of what I thought I was supposed to say. I didn't really know what I was supposed to say. And I remember him telling me, you have to think about what do you want to portray when you're in the ring as a character? And he told me that in the ring, you want to be able to have a character where people, when they see you, they know exactly who you are. They know exactly what you're about. They know exactly who your character is without you having to open your mouth. And I think that was, that was some advice he gave me super early in the game. And I think it really helped me when I started developing my character, Bianca Belair, when it comes to like my presence and my moveset, I try to just ground everything around being the EST and showcasing that without having to open my mouth. And I think that just really helped me with my character. And of course, he gives me advice on matches. He's giving me advice on like, I think you should do this hold. I think you should do that hold. And, um, you know, he always critiques me, of course, because that's just you know, when someone cares, they critique you. But I think that was the, the best advice that, that stuck with me, was the advice he gave me a couple of months into being in NXT. Well,
1: it looks like you've taken that to heart because it definitely <laughs> shows through. There's no doubt who Bianca Belair is when you see her on screen. So now that you've had a, uh, a bigger taste of the bright lights of one of the biggest stages in WWE, that being the Royal Rumble, Um are you content in NXT or are there any aspirations to move to Raw or SmackDown? Or if so, who would you most likely uh, want to step in the ring against?
2: I'm not going to say that I'm content. Um, I'm never really con- content. I'm always wanting more. But what I will say is NXT is my is my home. I consider it my family. And I love my journey that I've had in NXT. Uh, you know, I feel like three and a half years in, I still have so much that I could do. If, if I do stay in NXT for a while, you know, I'm I'm still chasing the title and I, I haven't run out of things. And so I think I, I could have a very long career in NXT if that's the case. Uh, but with that being said, I think, well, I know Bian- Bianca Belair, she'll shine no matter where she's at, whether that's NXT, Raw, or SmackDown. And I just kind of just, I'm, I just go with the flow. You know, I just, I really believe that what's for you will be for you. And I, so I just continue to stay in my lane. I stay focused on myself. I do what I'm supposed to do. I don't take days off. Even if I don't get my way or things don't go my way, I just don't, I don't take days off. And I just really believe that what's for you will be for you. And regardless if that's in raw NXT or SmackDown, I'm going to shine and stand out like I always do. So, Wherever it takes me, I'm ready for the journey. And you know, my husband's on Raw, so (laughs) if I went to Raw, you know, I wouldn't necessarily complain. I get to see him a lot more, but I'm just excited for the future. I think I have endless possibilities, whether it's on Raw, NXT, or SmackDown.
1: You mentioned your husband, Montez Ford. How does one roof contain all that charisma between the two of you (laughs) at the same time? I just kinda wanna be a fly on the wall and see what the day to day looks like.
2: Uh, he's uh, (laughs) well He's crazy like, <laughs> in the ring and in real life. Like what you see is what you get. And that's what I get all the time. So some people only get it for, you know, 10 minutes on their TV screen. I get it for the 24 hours that I'm with him. And um, he tends to, I kind of take the back seat. you know, when we're home. I'm more the, I'm more, the, I'm more chill. I'm more laid back. I'm more I'm quiet. I'm a little bit more reserved uh, when we're home and he's the crazy one, but he pulls it out of me. I remember at my wedding, my brother did a speech and he was saying how he's pulled out, he's pulled out a personality, he's pulled a personality out of me that they've never seen before where I'm just kind of, I'm goofy. I'm just, I don't really think about stuff anymore. I'm more talkative and he has a way of pulling things out of people because his energy is just so crazy. He's really fun to be around. It's never a dull moment with him. and He's just crazy. Like he's He's legit just crazy in real life (laughs) in a good way
1: that was a very very tactful way of saying that montez is exhausting
2: (laughs) it's uh it's you know it's an experience that's what i'll say
1: (laughs) yeah no doubt about it so off the top of your head just to uh, because i asked and i need an answer i need the the hard answers who do you want to compete against that you haven't
2: i skipped that one that's all right no um charlotte flair of course, I've been saying that since day one, and I got to do a little bit of the Royal Rumble, but I want I want I wanna, a real match one-on-one or however it comes. Charlotte Flair, Naomi, I think that we can create some magic in the ring. She's super talented. She's athletic. She's just... She, she's amazing. Ember Moon, she's in the same, the same lane as athleticism. I feel like we can really create some magic in the ring. And Nia Jax. Sorry, I haven't named just one person. I can't. That's all Nia right. Jax. <laughs> uh, I'm here for all
1: of these, by the way.
2: <laughs> and if there's a legend, it has to be Beth Phoenix. Uh, that would be a dream come true to have a one-on-match with Beth Phoenix.
1: Sign me up for it book it make it happen (laughs) someone nxt i mean she's there for nxt she just get her off the commentary table i'm sure she'd be game
2: yeah i need to go over there and just challenge her one time while while she's doing commentary
1: (laughs) (laughs) so three and a half years into this wacky journey uh what stands out to you is kind of like uh, pinch me or is this real do you have anything in particular
2: oh wait i just got an action figure there that, we go. That that See, I told you. Like I keep having these moments where it's like,
1: <laughs> just too many to keep track of.
2: It <laughs> just keeps going. Uh the action figure man. That was I literally woke up to a text message from my mom uh and she had all these she sent all the pictures. And it took me a while to even text her back and I was just laying in bed for probably in the same spot for 3 hours just looking at the phone, looking at the action figure because I I, I literally just didn't know what to do. I'm like, what? I have, I have an action figure. I actually have one in. I just kept looking at the picture. It's crazy. She looks just like me. Um, The braid moves like it's just. I I still don't have words for it. And even then, I just. I was like, I don't even know what to do right now. So I just laid in the same spot, and I'm like, I. This is weird. This is weird and crazy and exciting. And that's probably that's that moment. That moment probably is the moment when I had to like actually pinch myself and like. Smacked myself in the face, like okay, get out of the bed, like figure out something to do right now.
1: <laughs> Sorry, I can't come to work today. Why? Because I've been recreated as a plastic action figure. Yeah. Right on. Well, I uh, happen to be a betting man, and I'm betting that there are many, many more surreal experiences on tap for Bianca Belair. I think you have a very, very bright future, and I want to thank you for calling in and uh, spending thank some time you. with me today.
2: I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I probably rambled a lot. I just get excited when I talk about. Wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: that's a, this is a good place to do that. I'm yeah. all right with being excited and talking about wrestling on after the bell. So
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you so much for having me.
1: Of course. Good luck to you. I will see you sometime soon. I'm sure.
2: OK, thank you. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Monday Night Raw took place in Salt Lake City, Utah, this past week amidst a hellacious snowstorm. And fortunately for all of us, Raw was not canceled but it reminds me of the time that it once was. It was in 2015. Raw was supposed to take place in Hartford, Connecticut, and there was a state of emergency declared, so the live portion of the show, the live event, was canceled. wasn't allowed to happen. But Raw did still take the air that night. I was lucky enough to be in the TV studio watching all of the worker bees work, seeing what amazing capabilities this TV studio and team can pull off. There were a few SUVs loaded up from Hartford, brought some talent from Monday Night Raw to the TV studio where the crew cobbled together three hours worth of actually surprisingly entertaining programming uh, considering the circumstances. And that night stands out to me because it was the first time I encountered Brock Lesnar in person. Uh, I found myself in a conference room sitting beside him, and there was an awkward silence. Uh, Neither of us knew each other or what to make of one another other than the fact that I was as terrified of him in person as I had been for years on television. So I did what any reasonable human would do in that situation. I complimented the beast on his jacket, which led to a surprisingly fun little exchange and a conversation with Brock Lesnar, who did not at that particular juncture decide to tear me limb from limb. Lucky me. Uh, The show was very interesting. They re-aired the Royal Rumble match from the night before. A few backstage interviews with Roman and Brock and a few others. And allegedly, the now WWE champion paid a significant amount of money to keep the bar wide open for everybody, to make sure they made the best of a crappy situation. I, of course, stayed at a completely different hotel. But it led to me finding the only open establishment in scenic Stamford, Connecticut the following morning or myself and two-thirds of the shield made sure that none of the beers at said establishment went unattended what a day not all bad things came from that snowstorm fun memories fun times but let's uh hope raw doesn't get canceled ever again
0: G3 assistance through Virginia's community colleges is your pathway to a new future. Helping those who qualify, pay for school, and train for the right career. Right where you are, right now. Learn more at vccs.edu forward slash G3. I'll speak to the devil because it's boss time.
1: My next guest, if you listen to the words I speak on television, is my mortal lifelong enemy. But she was kind enough to take time out of her day. To call and join us on After the Bell. She is the boss, Sasha Banks. Sasha, how are you?
0: I am doing amazing. I am in beautiful Miami getting my nails just done. I came back from the Super Bowl. Did you not see my like commercial?
1: That, I, I'm glad you clarified that it was you getting your nails done. I thought maybe you like took up metalworking in your day off.
0: I mean, I wouldn't be talking to you if I was at the dentist. Isn't that right? That's true.
1: That's true. That's a valid point. Either that, either that, or it would have been like the most miraculous podcast in history.
0: About hello choreographs. What's going on
1: (laughs) (laughs) between the drills and the cotton and all that stuff? uh, Right. All right, Sasha. So obviously you've been a very busy woman as of late, but we have not seen you in the ring for quite some time. Yes. Would you care to elaborate on that at all?
0: I mean, if you guys watched Friday Night SmackDown a couple weeks ago, the evil role model, terrible mother, Lacey Evans, tripped me backstage and she uh, hurt my ankle.
1: Perfect. We're rolling with that. Injured ankle from yes. the boss herself. See, you can all stop with your rumors swirling everywhere.
0: I mean, you are yes, debunking please. rumors
1: here on ATB. Well, you are I can obviously. barely
0: walk, okay? Oh,
1: I, I, it's tragic. I feel very, it's, very it's, badly it's for terrible.
0: you. It's terrible. You know, and I'm a person that always wants to be 125%. And right now I'm just at 100%. So you That's guys have to wait. I'm like, no, it's unacceptable. You can't be the boss. I need to be 120%. I'm taking my time so I can come back bigger and better than ever.
1: There we go. You have to be 125% to be the boss. At 100%, you're barely middle management.
0: I'm barely walking.
1: Despite your inability to walk, you've been keeping yourself very, very busy with non-WWE things. I actually want to jump back in the past real quick. Obviously, it's been covered to death. You took a little hiatus from WWE. I'm very curious. I know you were posting on social media that you took a little journey over to Japan during your time away. How does that happen? Did you just make a phone call and decide or or walk me through that?
0: Well, pretty much I always had a goal um, in life to go to Japan and train. And I love learning legit everything about wrestling, any culture, any style, any techniques, and Japan is just like one of my biggest things. So I knew satsumura from the May Young Classic, so I sent her a message on Instagram, and I was just like, I would really love to come to your school and train for a little bit, and uh, she told me yes, so I bought a plane ticket and I went over there. And it was legit one of my probably best experience I've ever done. And I legit miss Japan almost every single day I had a great time over there and I learned so much
1: what's uh what's something you picked up over there that maybe you know you didn't didn't get in NXT or FCW or the, the independence over here
0: I, I mean it's just a, a huge different style and for them too it's just like the language barrier um, you know we couldn't like physically talk but just the motions of things it's kind of like a love language of wrestling um, you know so I couldn't even ask questions like what do you mean by this and, and why do you do it like this? It's just like they, they felt everything and I just had to go off of what they were doing. And I was just like, wow, I haven't done something like this in forever because you know what there to be not like everything's planned, but everything is very talked about. And it's been so long that to just be in a ring and just fill things out. And I really love that. And I missed it too. Well,
1: you, you mentioned Miko Satamora, who competed in the May Young classic and, and you along with the, the rest of the four horsewomen, Uh, or definitely some of the ones responsible for sort of shaping NXT's women's division into what it is today, which argument could be made that now, today, this day and age, it's stronger than it's ever been. Um, Do you keep an eye on what's going on there still?
0: I wish I did. I wish I had more time. I'm a very busy woman. Um, you know, but getting to see, you know, some of the women to perform at the Royal Rumble or, you know, they come to Raw sometimes and wrestle. Uh, they're they're pretty stacked with talent and it, it's so amazing to see. I see almost every other month they'll be signed a new person and they announce it. I'm like, wow, I used to watch that girl in the independence and it's it's so great to see that we're we're signing girls who legit dream was to be in WWE since they're little kids and you know, they go out and they follow their dreams and now they're here. And, um, I'm really excited for hopefully some of them can get called up soon because, uh, you know, I'm ready for some more. Is there anybody that stands talent.
1: out? Anybody off the top of your head?
0: Um, I really loved real Ripley. Uh, she came up and attacked us a couple times before survivor series. And I think I had a three way and a tag match maybe with her and, um, I felt like we had good chemistry. So I would love to have a singles match with her. And, uh, you know, she's the NXT Women's Champion for a reason.
1: And there's, there's so much talent, obviously, Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. But when you were down in NXT, you and Bayley, Charlotte, Becky, who, who were some of the, uh, the people that helped influence you when you were down there before this women's evolution really came to be?
0: For me, I would say the top three people that really helped me. I would say four. Uh, I wouldn't be signed without William Regal. Um, I learned so much from Joey Mercury, and Norman Smiley, and of course, uh, Dusty Rhodes.
1: So how cool is it for you uh, to now be aligned in doing what you're doing currently alongside your friend Bailey on television?
0: Legit the best. Um, you know, when I came back, I came back really refreshed and I came back um, just really wanting to have fun this time around. Yeah. Like it's the best feeling in the world just to do something and standing next to someone you really love and that loves the same thing that you do. And you know, we've just seen this Bailey with a hugger for so many years and you know, I really loved when she turned and took that chair and slammed Becky over the back of it and just to feel that reaction from the fans were just like, No way, did that really just happen?
1: Is it safe to say that you and Bailey both sort of enjoy this role more than the the opposite side of things?
0: Honestly, I have a good time doing both. I feel like this right now, it's a little more funner just because we haven't been able to do this with each other like this. I hope we get to do it again, if not as good guys as, you know, the role models and leaders that you see today.
1: Let me ask you, coming off of the Royal Rumble, uh, obviously you pride yourself on being at the top of the card or featured, you know, as frequently as possible and you weren't in the women's Royal Rumble match. How, How did that affect you or how did you feel when that was going down?
0: Honestly, I wasn't supposed to be in it anyway because I... I'm a leader. I want to give girls other opportunities. And I didn't want to win that match because I didn't want to choose my best friend, nor did I want to choose Becky Lynch because I don't want to go to Raw. So I wasn't going to be in the Royal Rumble regardless. And uh, Bailey asked me to not come out for a match because she wanted to show people that she didn't need my help. So I respect her. We are role models and leaders for a reason. And um, another girl had the opportunity because I wasn't in it. So it's so great to see. I'm so blessed. I'm so awesome. I'm amazing.
1: <laughs> well, while you weren't competing in the women's Royal Rumble match uh, in the weeks leading I was still up to, money. Uh, exactly, I was, I was, I was getting to that. I still
0: got paid.
1: I was, I was getting to that. You, uh, I'm you, on
0: my downside. <laughs> <laughs> you,
1: you've got some uh, some other projects in the works. I know we acknowledged it on TV briefly, oh, but uh, I tell I me more about I'm this so music excited. project you've been working on.
0: Yes, so I am making a rap album. I am so excited. It is produced by my cousin Snoop Dogg. Um, do I know when it's coming out? It's coming out definitely before we on his album. Um, I can't wait any dates yet, but it'll be coming soon and I'm really, really excited.
1: Is it, is it a full album or is it just a, a track?
0: I mean, it could be a track or two. What is a full album? Like 12 songs? That's too many.
1: I think anything above six, anything under six is an EP, I believe. And anything above that, I think is an album.
0: Well, I think I have like six and a half songs on the album then.
1: Perfect. So it's an album that counts. Yes. This past week, uh, we got eyes on you featured on the Pizza Hut Super Bowl commercial. What was that experience like?
0: Oh, uh, it was awesome because I probably made the most money I've ever made in the company. Thank you, Fox. Thank you, Pizza Hut. I am a star for a reason, and I get free Pizza Hut for life.
1: Do you get like a card for that? Do you get like a... a oh, I no, I when we call
0: were... in and they know. All
1: right, well, let's say uh, <laughs> the the ankle gets all healed up. WrestleMania is yeah. right around the corner. What, uh, what does the boss have her sights set on?
0: Uh, my sights are to wear the most bomb outfit right next to my best friend's side as she defends her title against some loser.
1: So that's it. Sasha Banks is just looking forward to dressing well at WrestleMania? Yeah, that's exactly. it. Okay. I'm probably
0: the best outfit ever. That's it. All right. yeah, okay. WrestleMania is so long. If anything, I would hope that we we're on the pre-show um, just so I can get it done and over with because I'll there probably still be making the same amount of money.
1: At <laughs> the end of the day, that's what it's all about.
0: That's what it's all about. It is the I wrestling I want to make the business. most money. I want to be on the pre show so I can get out of there. It's a long, long day. We're probably there from 8 a.m. till 2, 2 a.m. in the morning. So I just, I got to go. I got to get my beauty sleep.
1: The boss has stuff to do.
0: I have stuff to do.
1: And you're in the process of doing stuff at the moment. I appreciate you taking time from your busy nail appointment to uh, grace after the bell with your presence. I hope your ankle heals up. Sooner than later, because quite honestly, I, I am running out of you know people to say bad things about. I need you back on my TV. Well, hopefully you
0: can talk good about me now since I'm going to give
1: you my first album. I, I think a I, that's, a, that's a fair compromise. I think oh, I, I will you, be nice Shari. to you. <laughs> All right, Sasha. Oh, well, God bless you. After the bell, listeners, guys, full disclosure: there's a lot more to get to with the boss, Sasha Banks, but as you heard. She was in getting her nails done, getting her nails did. And uh, the audio kind of sucked. And hopefully we will see more Sasha Banks on television and get her back here on After the Bell sooner rather than later. So I will leave you with this, a little bit of zen. You may not control all of the events that happen to you, but you can decide not to be reduced by them. That's Maya Angelou. That's some zen for you. I am full of it. Thank you to the EST of NXT, Bianca Belair, and the boss, Sasha Banks, and her nail technician for being guests on After the Bell. I'll be back next week. It's Valentine's week. Love is in the air, so who better to share the special After the Bell with than Carmella and Otis? That's right, Otis, the Stealer of Hearts, the new world champion of love on Friday Night SmackDown. Make sure you follow at AfterTheBellWWE on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Use the hashtag AfterTheBell. If you're using an Android, follow ATB on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, Google Podcasts, or the podcast app you choose to use so that you never miss an episode. Uh, Subscribe to ATB. Throw me five stars on Apple Podcasts. Help spread the good word. Follow me, should you be so inclined, at WWE Graves on Twitter, on Instagram. Those are the only socials I use. If it's not there, then it's fake. But then again, why the hell would anyone want to pretend to be me? I'll be back here next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, hopefully no more nail techs, and more WWE after
0: the bell. This has been an original WWE podcast.